Hello there. Welcome to Smashing the Ceiling, the podcast that showcases the lives of women who've achieved amazing things in their careers, some who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. I'm your host, Naomi Mella, founder of the Skylark Collective and the International Women's Podcast Awards. And each week, I'll be sitting down with one woman to hear about the ceilings they've smashed through in their lives. The glass ceiling isn't all about corporate boardrooms, international skyscrapers and towering stilettos. Although don't get me wrong, I love a good high heel. There are women breaking down barriers everywhere, shattering stereotypes and forging their own unique and wonderful career paths. We're here to share their stories with you, to let you know how they got where they are and how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. We're an independent podcast, so if you'd like to support us, please follow, rate and review wherever you listen. Everyone asks you to do this, I know, but it really does make a difference and we'd love it if you could. For the first episode of season four, I've got not one, but two guests with me this week. And if you are looking for inspiring women in your life, then these two are it. Kirsten and Avon Mbawa are sisters from Northampton, and they are 13 and 12 years old, respectively. Nothing unusual there, you might think. But what is unusual is that both Kirsten and Avon are published authors and business owners already. Their love of reading has driven everything they've done so far, and you'll hear in this chat the effect on their lives they both attribute to books. Their company, Mbawa Books, produces monthly subscription boxes for teens, containing diverse titles with relatable, representative heroes from a wide range of authors, as well as stories written by Kirsten and Avon themselves every month. Their output is prolific, and having tasted success with their first books, which they self-published but subsequently got onto the shelves of Waterstones and onto Amazon through their own hard work and tenacity, they are well on their way with their next novels. Kirsten and Avon are the face of their brand. They have some help from their mum, Nadar, but they themselves have appeared on Steph's Pack Lunch on Channel 4 and in various local and national press. Kirsten confidently told me she wants to be Prime Minister and I just wouldn't put anything past these two. They're just a brilliant pair and I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Probably unsurprisingly, I started by asking them about books. And tell me, have you always been into reading? Like what kind of drew you to reading when you were little and and what sparked your sort of love of books, both of you? Our parents probably, our parents are definitely responsible for our love of reading because, you know, they would, for as long as we can remember, uh, they've been reading to us. And when we were younger, you know, they were like every night before bed, they would never cease to tell us stories. And our dad would often come up with stories from the top of his head. So his imagination really carried over to us and our parents would always read to us, as I said. So now we love reading because of our parents ensuring that reading was a top priority for us as younger children. And Kirsten, what do you think it is about books? Like what are the sort of benefits that you think reading can bring as kids, apart from the obvious kind of, you know, learning to read side of things? What other benefits do you think books have given to you since since you were younger? Well, I think that if we didn't read, we would never be as far as we are now. Because reading is just such a mandatory thing in life. It just improves your vocabulary, improves how much, how well you think about things. Reading is just so useful for everything you do in life. And also reading is really fun, which people don't often think about. You can just sit down in your bed. You know, it doesn't, there's no blue screen, so it doesn't damage your eyes. Just read and you can just get taken to so many places just by flicking through a few pages. So I think reading is so amazing and also really good for you. 
And what's the first book that you guys can remember being read to you by your mom and dad? Uh, well, a lot of the, you know, Biff, Kip and Biff, Chip and Kipper series. Um, <laughs> yeah, the reading stages. I remember those ones. And then, um, you know, Mog the Cat. We used to love those books. Um, so we would read those. Our parents would read those to us a lot. And then also the Julia Donaldson books. Um, we oh, yeah. love the Gruffalo. We love Tiddler. Pretty much all of the books, well, most of the books, I think we've read and we enjoyed I love those Julia Donaldson books. I think the Gruffalo ones, especially, obviously, really popular, but they're really good for sparking imagination because they're taking you to a world that's not normal, I guess, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Um, and you mentioned, Avon, that your your dad used to make up stories. Can you guys remember starting to make up stories yourselves? And where did you, when you first started making up stories, where did you get your ideas and inspiration from? Well, when we were younger, we used to play a game where dad would start saying one part of the story and then the next person would say the next part and then so on and so forth. So I think that was a really good game to help us, you know, start imagining our own stories. So as soon as we could, a few years after we could talk probably because we just were inspired by our dad so much that we just started making up our own stories and then we started writing them down on paper and then here we are now. So talk to me about the business. Um, so. Where did the idea come from and and what was it that kind of got you thinking that starting a new business would be a good idea when obviously you guys are 12 and 13, uh, which is an incredible achievement at your age. Um, where did that all stem from? Uh, so our grandpa really loved reading and um, he kind of passed that on to our mum, who also very uh, much loves reading. And it's she passed that down on to us. And um, our mum's also a very good writer as well. Sometimes she writes blogs in her free time. And uh, I've read her work and she's uh, very, very good at writing. So we kind of got that trait. And uh, we would always write stories as a child, sometimes bring them in, show them to our teachers or to our class. And they'd be impressed with our work. And um, we had a nanny who we very much love. And she was saying that you guys are really good writers why not enter the BBC 500 World Competition? Because, you know, that's like, it's a competition that children can enter and it's a very fun one. Um, and we did. And unfortunately, we did not win. But, you know, that was kind of the starting point for our whole business because we turned our 500 words into tens of thousands and that shaped our whole career uh, that we are forming now. Cool. So you've each got your own book. Kirsten, yours is Sagas of Anya and Avon, Land of the Neurogons. Do you want to tell me both a little bit about your books? Um, how? What are they about? What might people expect from each of you with your writing and what kind of stimulates your own um, writing ideas, I guess? So at the time of me writing my book, I was watching a lot of shows like Hetty Feather, a lot of, and I was also reading Hetty Feather by Jack Wilson at the time, which is another historical fiction. So I was really inspired to do a kind of Victorian set book. So when I was writing mine, I, I got a lot of inspiration from the series and the book. So that's what my book is about. It's a historical fiction. And it's about this young girl called Anya, who lives a normal life with her mum and her dad in Cardiff in South of Wales. Um, but one day her mum tragically dies of a long-term illness and everything just goes downhill from there. She has to move to London because her father can't earn enough money on his own and she becomes a scullery maid in London. And it's all about how she copes with the grief of her mother and what she gets up to in London. Awesome. And Avon, how about you? So um, I was very interested in Percy Jackson and the world of Rick Riordan when I was writing my book. So mine is, you know, a similar genre like fantasy adventure. 
And it's about this boy called Hayden. And he is on the way to the park uh, when he hears a rumbling noise in the distance. And he doesn't think much of it, but it seems that it's getting closer. So he starts running. And out of nowhere, he falls down a hole, entering a new parallel dimension called Neurogonia. Now, Neurogonia is in severe danger. And he, with the help of a few friends, has to save the world that he's come to know and love. That's so cool. And how, how did you guys go around getting your books published? Because I think it's often one of the things I talk to, I talk about on this podcast with people who have written books is the difficulty that you can have getting a book published, like getting an editor, getting an agent can seem really, really difficult. There's lots of people out there who often think that they'd love to write a book. And, you know, you often hear somebody when they're older saying, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. You know, how did you guys go about getting your books published? Because they're now on Amazon as well. And you guys have had a good deal of success with those. So how did you go about doing that? So we actually self-published our book. So it was a little bit harder to publish them than it would be if you published through a publishing house. But first of all, of course, we had to write our drafts and then we had to give them to our editor. It was very, very hard on us. um, But... We're really grateful for that because our books turned out to be really good. So we gave our drafts to our editor and he came back, of course, with the edited drafts. And then we just kept sending them back until everything was perfect. And then we had to get them printed, of course. Um, But there were a few delays with that because Ava wanted her book to be embossed. So it had a kind of 3D cover, but um, it took a little bit longer and there were some issues with the paper and stuff like that. So there were a few delays in that. But then kind of getting it out there, we contacted Amazon and we got it on Amazon, which is really good. And we also have it on, we have it in the Kindle version and also on Waterstones. So we kind of just reached out to lots of different websites to see if they would put our books on their websites. And yeah, we're really happy that they did. Mm. And talk to me about your writing process, because you went from, as you said, 500 words up to tens of thousands. How did you fit that in around school and all the other activities you were doing? And how did you kind of get yourselves disciplined for what can be a really difficult process? You know, people often talk about writer's block and really having to kind of sit down at the computer and and make yourself do it, I guess. Like, how did you both find that process and how did you do it? Well, school... You know, we I was in primary school at the time of writing and Carson had just started secondary. Um, and that was probably very tough on Carson because, you know, starting year seven is a big step up. Um, and but for me, it was I enjoyed it a lot because in primary school, um, the amount of homework that we got was a lot less than I did in secondary school. So um, I did try to prioritize my homework. But then as soon as I was done, Uh, maybe I'd have like 30 minutes an hour resting time and then I'd go and I'd write uh, like a few chapters maybe of my book and um, that was actually it wasn't as bad as people might think it would be because we did I didn't manage and Kirsten did too to you know get in healthy amounts of relaxation time uh, schoolwork time and writing time Mm. And how much do you share with each other about what you're writing? Like, are you getting, are you running things by each other all the time? Are you quite private about your writing? How does that work? I think it's really good that we kind of did this together because you just have like someone that you're writing with. Like if I have, if I'm stuck for an idea or I don't really know what to end the story off with, I can just go to Avon and bounce some ideas off her and then she can do the same to me. So I think it's always really good to have a writing partner in that. So, yeah, we're not really that private about our writing unless I have a really good idea that I don't want to share with them. <laughs> but apart from that. 
Oh, that's very cool. And have you got, you've, you've clearly got bags of ideas and um, loads of scope coming up. Have you got new books in the offing? Like what's what's coming up with your new books, I guess? Uh, we both have planned what we are going to do for our new books. But um, at the at the moment, we are currently working on um, making an anthology of all of our short stories from the past year that go into our subscription boxes and also still actively writing our short stories. So um, we're going to be working on that for a while. Uh, but yeah, our new books are definitely coming into consideration. Amazing. So you mentioned your subscription boxes there and Happier Ever Chapter, which is the name of your company, which is your subscription box service, is the business that you guys have been developing. Tell me about that and how has that grown over the last year in particular since you since you launched that? Well, we launched it late last year and we recently just had our anniversary for our boxes and the growth has just been so amazing and just doing the boxes is just so much fun just writing the short stories that go into each month's box you know picking out the little goodies that we put in each box and also the feedback that we receive from our subscribers is amazing and their videos and their reviews that they send back just really make us happy so the growth has been really amazing and we love seeing new subscribers come day by day and slowly but getting more and more so yeah I'm really happy with that. So do you write everything that goes in your subscription box or do you put other things in there that you've been enjoying? Like if people were to subscribe, what sort of things would they find in their box on a monthly basis? So we include two books from other authors into our subscription boxes. And we try to prioritise that one is diverse because we like to promote diversity a lot. And then we write two short stories, one short story each that goes in the box. And those are roughly 3000 words. So um but yeah, we put those in the box. And then we have some items like we have lifestyle items, maybe like bookish related items. Uh, we have sweets and we also have, uh, you know, items that relate to the themes of the box because every month there's a different theme for the box. So recently we've had perilous adventures. So we had a pair of binoculars and then we had like a little key ring that you can store money in. So, yeah, the items heavily depend on the theme of the box. That's so cool. And um, you guys obviously have been interviewed yourselves a lot, which we're going to come on to in a minute, but you also do author interviews. How have you been finding that and kind of honing your own interview techniques? Well, I, I think it's really, really fun. Just like running our own little interview and just planning it all and just being the host for our own interview is really fun. And just talking to authors, like you don't, we don't realise that we've actually talked to authors until we've finished with the interview and like, wait we just we just spoke to that author so I think that's that's really cool just being in the presence of someone who's actually written a book just like us and who's a famous author and yeah just having the feeling of running our own little show I think that's really cool as well yeah very cool and how did and so how are you guys finding running a business um I know that your mom has helped you out a little bit with that but you guys are really the main drivers of everything what's the sort of experience you've had of running a business so far and and what has it what have been the biggest surprises since you began well you see all of these big business businesses out there and we we appreciate them but we just don't realize what actually goes into it and you don't realize that until you actually have your own business and all of the layers that form a business. So it's really great to learn about what goes into a company. And um, it's cool that we've learned these things already because, you know, those might be cool skills to have when you're older, if you're thinking of running your own business. So um, it's just great to see that you don't just make a product and give it a title and stick it on Amazon. That's a lot more. <laughs> and the process is a lot more 
than you would initially think. What do you think is the kind of biggest uh, surprise that you've had in terms of making the business successful, Kirsten? Um, I think just, well, at first I thought it was going to be easy. Like Avon said, you just make a product and just put it on a website. And I thought that was it. There is so much more that goes into doing a business. You have to do the ads. You have to do the engagement. You have to do the content for it. You have to be posting daily. So it is always you know there's never a dull moment to be honest when you're doing a bit when you're running a business so that's the biggest surprise for me that there's a lot more work than what it looks like because it looks so easy when you just see these big brands just you know selling stuff online it looks so simple but when you actually do it you see how much work goes into running your own business definitely and you guys are very much the the faces of your brand um you've been around a lot you know you've had a lot of press since you started this you've been on Steph's Pack Lunch um how have you been finding kind of managing PR I suppose and putting yourselves out there because a lot of people when they're first starting a business whatever age they are often that but building your personal brand, being the face of your brand, putting yourself out there, you know, speaking publicly, for example, can be really daunting for a lot of people. How are you guys coping with all of that? Well, honestly, it's been kind of all right for us because a lot of the press that we've had, we've either been in newspapers, which isn't live, or we've like done, we've been on uh, the news at home. And that's um, it, that's all right because, you know, we're not actually in a studio. We don't actually see people, cameras. But when we went on Steph's Pack Lunch, that was a bit of an awakening <laughs> for us because, you know, it's not you don't just sit in front of a computer and talk about your business. You know, there's more to being on to having press coverage than that. So Steph's Pack Lunch, um, it was a very enjoyable experience. We did love it, but it was it was kind of frightening because it wasn't really what we expected it to be as we've been so accustomed to having you know our our faces in on paper you know we don't actually it's not live we don't talk so Steph's Pack Lunch it was as much as it was great it was very scary and it was daunting as you said but it's you know you just look at it in the long run and you think wow I actually did that and it wasn't half bad (laughs) so it's it's nice to see that you've accomplished something like that. Well, you guys are very cool, and I'm sure you were very. I'm sure you were very composed um, in the circumstances, and I'm, I'm sure I know that your mom was very proud of you as well. And having all of that um, publicity has been absolutely incredible. And so you mentioned briefly that diversity is very important to you, Kirsten. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how you tried to really incorporate that into your business as well? Yeah. So with our box, we try and include at least one. We try and make our short stories diverse. Um, author and ethnic minority and then with our books we try and have at least one of the books the main character in the book will be of an ethnic minority or the author will so I think it's really important that we kind of try and promote diversity a bit more because it's definitely been the gap's been filling but we did notice there was a gap in the market for diverse subscription boxes and just diverse novels in general and an example is at Christmas and Easter, we really struggle to find a diverse book because there's just there's just not many out there for Halloween as well. So we just had to make our short stories diverse. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to us that we do make our um, boxes diverse. Mm. And what do you think the importance of that is in terms of the kind of educational process and, and shaping attitudes of, of today's young people? Well, I think that one of the most things that we need to work on in the world is getting children to see themselves being represented because I feel that a lot of the time if you're from an ethnic minority it's going to be rare to see yourself you're like someone who looks like you in a book 
and that can not be very empowering for children and I feel that it would really help if they saw someone who actually looked like them instead of just seeing you know the same minorities all over books and you know children really need to see that representation in the things that they watch and things that they read and you know one of the best ways to do that is to promote that so it's great that our box is for children and that we they see they get to see themselves in a book every month. Mm. And do you think that has shifted and attitudes have changed somewhat just in the time that you guys have been reading with a focus on this as well? Yeah, definitely. I think that has changed a lot. And especially for us, like it's it's like hard to admit, but when we like we're reading a book and it doesn't even mention anything about the skin colour or anything, we immediately think of like um maybe a white main character or someone someone from a bigger ethnic group. So um yeah, I think that's that's a bad thing to admit, but I think it's true in lots of cases because everything we just see around us these days is isn't portraying as many people from ethnic minorities as we'd all like them to. So yeah, but I think with our box, the more it grows, we can just help to change the way that people look at things and the way that people just think about stuff when they read. And how has lockdown and the pandemic impacted your reading habits at all I know a lot of people were saying that they found it really difficult to concentrate on books while the pandemic was happening and that actually whereas some people said oh my gosh suddenly I've got all this time that I've never had before I've rediscovered a love of reading have you found that lockdown of being at home increasingly has um, had an impact on your reading habits either of you oh well yeah it definitely has because we have a lot of more we have as you said there's just so much time now that like when it was lockdown and school wasn't going on, it was just, I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and you have to try to channel that time into good use because you can just spend all of it watching like all, I don't know, 150 seasons of Friends over and over again. Um, or you could just pick up a book and, you know, relax and melt into the book, I guess. And I feel that people chose the first option a lot more than the latter so um you know I just don't like to see people putting their precious time away when they could have done something so much better so much more productive and that is definitely good for us because we lockdown gave us the time to you know switch onto our business mindset and different ways to you know grow our business and lockdown was great for that. And what's your vision for the business going forwards? And really for both of yourselves, you know, we talked about future books, but where do you see the business going and what would you really love to develop with that, Kirsten? Well, of course, we want to get our box to as many people as possible just to you know, spread what we're all about. But we'd also like to collaborate with more child authors like ourselves and just more authors in general in the future, because I think that'd be a really good way for people to get to know about our business, get to know about us. And also collaborating is a really fun thing to do. We have some collaborations coming up, which is super exciting. Cool. So, yeah, we just want to get our whole business and everything about us ourselves on a much wider platform yeah we well, both have amazing voices you should definitely be voicing your own audiobooks in future um, <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> um, and tell me um top what are your sort of top two or three books that you've been reading recently that you can recommend on to people young or old uh well I 
I've definitely fallen in love with John Green. I just love the worlds that he builds with his different types of books. And I'm on a quest to read all of his books. And he only has, I think, six, which really disappoints <laughs> me because I love his work so much. Uh, but yeah, I definitely do love him. And also there's a book, Hope in a Ballet that I read a couple years back and it still sticks with me. It's so powerful and the message sent across is so strong. And, you know, it just puts, it, it lets you imagine what other people must be experiencing. I realized how privileged I was because there are some people who live in places that are so, that could use just so much work and that, you know, aren't really what I could even imagine of. And, you know, those books like that, they they just really humble me because they make me realize that I shouldn't really be taking things for granted because there are some other people out there who would do anything to just live in the place that, other people in the world are living and Kirsten how about you well recently I've been obsessed with Neil Gaiman and his books especially Coraline I am a bit of a Coraline addict I've watched (laughs) the movie about five times and I'm about to reread the book and then um there's I forgot the author of this book but it's called Poison Boy and it's a book about poison boys how they used to have to like taste um higher rank higher people in society's food to make sure it wasn't poisoned and then he actually turns out that he is actually like a higher a higher rank in society and it's just all about how he lives his life and stuff like that so it's a really good book yeah those are my top that sounds super interesting gosh I didn't even know that existed in the olden days um wow um and so what would you you know often a lot of people listening to this are um young people themselves or women with children who may well be around about your age and what would you kind of say to aspiring writers and and particularly teenage girls I think who you know would look at you guys and be like oh my gosh I could never do that you know that's just that's just not within my capabilities what's your sort of advice for people about starting a business and and writing in general two things first of all lose that mindset because it's really not going to help you in the long term and if you think that you know you're not good enough and you will never get there it's not going to happen so you need to you know the phrase fake it till you make it actually that could be quite helpful you know you need to think that I'm going to do this I'm great I'm the best um and that will definitely help you with getting your business um, off of its feet. And secondly, for me, uh, I think that definitely try to make make use of your time because you will regret it in the future if you spend your time rewatching all of the Friends seasons because that's it's really not the best thing you can do. And as much as Friends is great, I'm sure it is. Uh, you know, making a business, building your own empire of your own ideas is so much more productive and you will not regret it in the future but what you will regret is you know sitting on your backside and watching television all day because I feel like that's a rabbit hole a lot of people fall into and it's quite tough to get out of so if you just try to start in a secure place where you know you have a positive mindset and you're ready to begin a business or to write a book then that's pretty much the best way you can begin. Oh, you are speaking my language. I love the fake it till you make it. Um, I feel like I'm doing that most of the time. Um, so yes, you guys are amazing. And um, you you mentioned uh, at the beginning, Kirsten, that of ambitions to be prime minister. Um, do you guys envisage yourselves in the future becoming businesswomen and entrepreneurs? Or do you see um, a different path for yourselves in future? Like, do you still harbor ambitions for politics, for example? 
Yeah, I still really want to go into politics and be a prime minister, as I said before. But I think it's really good if we keep this business going, maybe have it as on the side for a while. And then I'm not sure how I'm going to manage both of them. But I'll figure that <laughs> out when I'm a bit older. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And how about you, Avon? Uh, well, I am very interested in the field of psychology. Um, I love learning about how the human mind works. And I overprepare too much. I'm studying for my A-levels already. Uh, so I would definitely love to, you know, delve into that world, maybe be a counsellor. Um, but as Kirsten said, the business, the business is a major priority for us. Um, so I would love to keep that going and still make it, make it a big part of my life and have it be a prominent factor of our life. Um, so, yeah, definitely the business is not going away anytime soon. I think one of the things that I've been particularly kind of inspired by with you two is this idea of being becoming, you know, financially stable, having a business, understanding economics and and money really at an early stage as well, which is something that I also talk about a lot with guests on the podcast. How have your um, attitudes around money and that sort of thing changed since you've had the business? And, you know, I think we often used to talk about just having pocket money, whereas you guys are earning money. What are your kind of values around around money with regard to business and, and entrepreneurship as well? Well, because we're still young, we're still 13 and 11, 13 and 12, sorry. Um, we still sometimes want to like, just, if I just see a top online, that's like 50 pounds. I'll be like, oh, I want that. Oh my God, that and is not I'll to just... do with your age. That was still happening when you're in your 30s. <laughs> <laughs> so we still have to get um, some help during finances and stuff, just so we don't spend all the money that we've gotten from that month. And also we just like, we, we um, make sure that we save enough money to help um, for the next box so we don't just spend everything we have to make sure we put some money aside for upcoming boxes but our, I think our attitude to finances has really changed because at least now when I see a top and it's 20 pounds I'll be like okay maybe I can get that and not get the 100 pound top instead so yeah I think it's I think it's definitely changed yeah really good it's so useful to be learning skills about budgeting and finances I think at such an early age you know these things I think for women in particular and, and young women like yourselves learning the value of money and having a good money mindset is definitely something that's really valuable at the start of your career because it sh- helps you to know where you're going with things as well which is awesome um and just finally where can people uh, find you guys online um f- find about your boxes do you want to give us a little plug for your socials on your website yep so you can find us on social media at bauer books bauer spell m-b-a-w-a and you can find our books and our subscription boxes um on our website bauerbooks.co.uk and our books are also available on amazon waterstones the website and kindle uh, bauer is our last name and it actually means friendly, which is, you know, I think it kind of fits, especially for our dad. He's very amicable, our mum as well. So yeah, Bauer is our last name. Amazing. Well, you guys are incredible. Um, I'm absolutely delighted. So yeah, definitely do go and check out these guys' websites and socials, give them a follow. And if you have got kids or you're a young person yourself and you're interested in their subscription boxes, then do go and have a look because it is certainly an incredible business. Um, and you two are just very inspiring. I cannot believe you're studying for your A-levels at the age of 12. <laughs> um, I'm blown away by that. I mean, I'm amazed by you both um, in a brilliant way. I think you guys are just absolutely um, awesome for your age um, and I love how articulately you speak as well I'm sure you get that all the time but um, you guys speak brilliantly and it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today so thank you so much for your time it's been a real joy thank, thank you so much thank you for having us as well you're really welcome 
That's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend as we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the show on iTunes or give us a shout out on your own socials, then I would love you very much as it helps others to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.